What is going on, Coastal Community Church? How you guys doing today? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're with us today. Can we give it up today for all the dads that are in the house? Come on, let's everybody give it up for the dads. So thankful for you. Happy Father's Day. We hope you have an incredible, incredible day today. You get celebrated for all that you have contributed to procreating life here on this earth. Uh, I'm super uh, happy that you did that. So uh, I don't know what else to say on that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's change the subject. Well, uh, we have been in a series over the last couple of weeks called I Am, and we've, we've been in this series, and we've been talking about some statements and some attitudes that, that I believe that as every Christ follower, we should have. And if you haven't been here over the last couple of weeks, I, I said it in week one, there's really been a, a desire in my heart as I've watched our world get crazier and crazier. There's more and more chaos. Can we all agree our world is getting crazier and crazier? There's more and more chaos. There's, there's, there's weirder things that are happening every single day. I notice that as it's getting crazier and crazier, that Christians are having a hard time deciphering what is true and what is not. Like truth has become this relative term where there's your truth and there's my truth. And, and, and that's great that we all have opinions, but the reality is, is that there's one truth and there's one truth alone and that's God's word. And it's time for the church to get back to getting into God's word. And so I really felt like in the midst of the chaos that is going on, what people didn't need is certainty. What they needed was clarity. They needed clarity to know what does God say about things? How are we to live? What does that look like to live out our faith on an everyday basis? And so we dove into this series, and really this series is a study on the book of Romans. And what the Apostle Paul is doing is, is, is really there's, there's four gospels that tell about the life of Jesus, they actually say the book of Romans is kind of like the fifth gospel, but what it does is it helps you to know how you are to live because of what Jesus did for you. And I think it's important for us that we understand the doctrines and the beliefs of our faith so that we're, we're combated with different information coming at us, that we can have the clarity of what does God say about us so we don't just believe everything that comes our way. And so we started off in week one and we said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. That's what we talked about in week one. Last week we said, I am finished with excuses. And if you missed last week's message, I, I've been told by more people that was the best message I ever preached in my life. And, and so if you missed that, I want to encourage you to go back online and listen to that. And today I want to dive right into Romans chapter 3. If you have a Bible, you can follow along with us. If you don't have a Bible, you can look at that worship God that was given to you on the way in or all the scripture will be up on the screen. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by what? Okay, okay, I'm gonna need y'all's help today. Can you guys help, can you help your pastor out today? So when I say, when I say by what, I need you to respond with whatever that word is, which means you have to actually pay attention. Gotta pay attention to what's going on. To be received by what? He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have what? In Jesus. Now let me take you to chapter one of Romans. We read it in the first week, verse 17. It says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by what? Faith. 
from first to last, just as it's written, the righteous will live by what? Do you see a theme here at all? We, we hear faith, 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 faith. And then some faith, some more. And so I wanna talk to you today, today about I am living by faith. Here's your statement. I am going to live by faith. I wanna make it a, a challenge. I wanna make it a point that we're not gonna live by what we see. We're not gonna live by what they say. We're not gonna live by what culture says. We are going to be a people. We are going to be a person that lives by faith. Not by what we see, not by what they say, but by faith. Faith. Now, when I think about faith, I automatically start thinking about passwords. I think about internet passwords in particular. Can we, can we talk about the frustration that is internet passwords? Anybody frustrated with internet passwords? Like, can we get all of the internet service, all these different companies, all these different people, can we get them on the same page with the same things that are necessary for the password? I mean, we, we have capitals, we have lowercase, we have periods, we have numerical symbols, we have numbers. There are so many things that go into passwords today that make it impossible for me to remember my password. Anybody else with me? It's like, which password is it this time? Because if I forgot my password and I had to go to those questions, like what are your, your questions? They're like, what is your firstborn dog? It's like, shoot, I should have named that dog something I could have remembered, right? It's like, what car was your first car? Oh, man, like, they give you all, like, what was your grandmother's maiden name? And I'm like, man, I don't remember what my grandmother's maiden name. So what do I do? I ask, I call my wife, Shayla, what's my grandmother's maiden name? She's like, I don't know. Why not? Somebody needs to know the answer to these things, right? It's like I can't seem to figure it out. Listen, I, billion dollar idea. Somebody bring all those companies together, get on one page, you will be a billionaire. And all I ask you to do is tithe. You got the idea here, okay? <laughs> but it's so, so frustrating because like you can't reuse the password that you used the last time, right? It's like you can't seem to get access. And, and I just find that passwords are so frustrating because what gives you entry at one place doesn't give you entry at the next place. And I think this is what the Apostle Paul is, is actually talking about here in this. He's, he's addressing it in a really weird way. He says that everything that we're looking for is through faith. In fact, I wrote in your notes like this. Your access to everything significant in God's kingdom actually happens through faith. Everybody say faith. faith. It happens through faith. You want a better marriage? Happens through faith. You want a better career path? It happens through faith. You want to see God move in your life? It happens through faith. Faith is the password that accesses everything that God wants to do in your life. In fact, Paul discusses it so much throughout the book of Romans, he actually uses faith 270 times throughout the book of Romans. It's almost like he's trying to get it in our mind. Listen, you've got to live by faith. And he's saying you can't really experience everything that Christ has for you without faith. Faith. So the question begs to differ, begs to be asked, like, what is faith? And the he writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 1 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And here's what I know about all of us. All of us have hopes. 
All of us have aspirations. All of us have dreams. He says, now faith is the assurance of the things that we're hoped for and the conviction of things that while we're hoping for it, yet we have not seen it. So what he's, what he's basically trying to say is he's saying, if you're taking notes, faith is actually trust. Faith is this belief, it's this Trust that everything that you need in God's kingdom is accessed through this trust in God. Now, what's interesting about faith is faith does not deny the facts. A lot of people think, well, if I have faith and I've, I've got to deny the facts that, that I've been diagnosed with cancer or, or I, I, I've lost my job. Like, no, no, no. Those are facts. Faith denies the facts we know are the final authority. That's what faith does. That's good preaching right there. Faith doesn't deny the facts. It denies the facts as the final authority on our life because we serve a God that is bigger, that is greater, that is supernatural in his ways, that is the God of the impossible that wants to move in every single one of our lives, access through his power, through faith. Faith is so important. They read of Hebrews just a couple of verses later, says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's why we have to lean into faith because God is pleased when you and I actually trust him. Now this is a big deal because this has not been the way it's always been in the church. In fact, if you were to go back throughout church history, you would actually find that the beginning of the, the church actually took a, a, a little turn in it. In fact, I'm gonna give you some church history because faith is the essence of how the church is lived out today, but that wasn't always the case. In fact, AD 33, it's an important date for you to know, is Jesus' death and resurrection. The, the Pentecost happens 120 days later in the upper room. Uh, in fact, 2033, we're gonna celebrate our 2000th birthday of Jesus' resurrection. It's gonna be a celebratory day here in about 10 years, and a decade from now, we're gonna have a big birthday party. It's gonna be awesome. But so, so what happens is the church gets established and in AD 33 and all of a sudden the church is, is gritty, it's underground, it's being built. They're working it out. The, 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 the laws are being passed down verbally from one generation. They're writing letters to each other and so it's this very much an oral tradition at this time. And then about 325 AD, Constantine, who is the emperor of Rome, finds a relationship with God. His mother actually leads him to Christ. All of a sudden, he realizes, man, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through him. He has this revelation. He takes the church from this underground kind of movement, and he nationalizes it and says, hey, everybody is a accessible to go to church and he begins to bring in the scholars he begins to bring in the leaders and in 325 AD the council of Nicaea is organized by Constantine and it's where they they actually chose the 27 books of the New Testament it's where they establish our our doctrine of the trinity our doctrine of righteousness our doctrine of atonement and all these things were coming up and they started getting rid of all the heresy that was in the church and the church starts to thrive and it goes good and then in 1054 there is this this date that is called the great schism it's where the eastern orthodox church and the catholic church have a split and they're they're split over some some doctrinal issues some leadership issues and communion and all of a sudden there's this split 
that takes place in the church. And, and right after the great schism, there's, there's kind of like the deep, dark season of the church. Like, you know how every single one of us, we have a past that's kind of like dirty and we don't want to talk about it. It's kind of like the, the worst parts of our life. This is the worst parts of the church. It's where the crusades happened. It's where they were killing people in Jesus' name. And, 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 and so all this is prevalent that is going on. There's lots of corruption. There's lots of manipulation that's happening during these, these 500 years. And in the 11th and 12th centuries, the Catholic Church came up with this idea of indulgences. And it was, it was made popular during the, the, this time where they created this place called purgatory, another non-biblical idea, just by the way. It's never referenced in the Bible, so it's not a biblical idea. It's a made-up, man-made idea. And basically what an indulgence was is, is it was a way for the pope and the bishops to, to get rid of your sin. And what they would do is they would say, listen, if you will go and fight this war on our behalf, here's what we'll do. We will eradicate your sin and you'll be clean and you'll be ready to go to heaven. So they were basically saying, hey, we have the power to forgive your sin. So if you were a sinner back in the day, you were like, hey, sign me up for war. I wanna get rid of my sin. They would go, hey, your sin is gone. And they would go off to fight and they, they promised full remission if you, if you fought. And so they created this doctrine for this of indulgences. And then they began to pass it down to lower level leaders. And they called it penance. It's where, it's where you would go into a confessional and you would, com you would tell a priest your sins. And then they would say, hey, if you'll say 99 Hail Marys, you'll be forgiven of those sins. It was basically repentance through works. It was, basically, it was basically salvation through works, which by the way is still being practiced today. If you look around, it's, it's where the priest is still forgiving of your sins. It is, it's a massive doctrinal error. And, and just imagine telling people the corruption that was going on, like, listen, I know you're jacked up and messed up, but if you'll build my house, I'll forgive your sins. If you build my church, in fact, if you go over into Europe and you see those big, huge churches that are built, they were built off of the finances of people that gave money to have their sins forgiven. They were built off the labor of people that were bad and thought, well, if I do enough work, then I can be good. And the system was finally kind of broken apart in 1517 by a Franciscan Augustine Friar named Martin Luther who, who wrote a document called the 95 Thesis and, and, and this launched the Protestant Reformation which was a protest against salvation by works. What happened is, is Martin Luther, the Bible at that time was not accessible to the average person. It was only accessible to the priests and to the monks that were there. He's reading it. He starts realizing the scriptures don't actually say anything, any of these things. They actually say something completely different. They actually say that the 95 Thesis was based off Martin Luther reading the book of Romans and realizing that salvation doesn't come from works. Salvation actually comes by faith. And instead of doing works to get salvation, what we need to start doing is we need to start trusting in God so that we can experience the fullness of all that God has. And that's why he says we have to live by Faith, like you can't understand salvation without understanding that everything in God's kingdom that is of significance is actually accessed through faith. And we need to get this church because this idea 
uh, of penance and this idea of, of, of all these things from Catholicism is so ingrained in our society today. Because, And I'll tell you why. Because if you ask somebody, hey, are you going to heaven? You know what they'll say? They'll say yes. And if you go, why? They'll go, because I'm a good person. Because I served people. Because I gave some money. What is that? That's the idea of penance. It's the idea of indulgences. And God is saying to us today, like, listen, we aren't to live by works. We're to live by faith. And so if we're going to live by faith, I want to give us some keys so that we can live by faith every single day of our life. The first one is this, if you're taking notes, faith is a gift. Faith is a gift. I, I, I'm a person, I love gifts. Where are my gift people at? Where are people that love gifts? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Who wants a gift? Who wants a gift? Okay, okay, good luck. Just, like, I, I, I love gifts. I, I'm, a, I'm a gift person. In fact, uh, my love language is gifts. You wanna make me feel loved, give me a gift. Don't tell me how good I am. Don't, 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 don't like clean my office. Like give me a gift. That's how I feel love. I'm not telling you to do that. If you want to do that, go for it. But if you don't, <laughs> but I'm a gift person. Now what's interesting about gifts is, is that if I go and buy something for myself, that's not a gift. Like, because how did I get that? I earned a wage to pay for that gift. But if somebody else gives me a gift, it's something that I did not pay for, that I did not exchange anything for, that I did not do anything to deserve. It's somebody just gave me something that was free. In fact, let me explain it like this. Many dads today will get gifts from their children that are not really gifts. <laughs> Let me explain why. Because mom took them to the store and mom paid with dad's credit card that he worked hard. <laughs> and then the kid walks up, dad, look at what I got you. And dad's like, that I paid for. That isn't a gift. <laughs> it's thoughtful. It's nice, but it's not a gift because I pay for it, right? Right, Dad? It's not a gift. Just saying, kids, go get a job. Go get a job. Help a brother out. Pay some rent. And, and Paul talks about this, and he hits it on the head. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, he says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to. He says, listen, don't think you're a big deal. A lot of us, we have a tendency to think we're a big deal. And, and Paul's like, listen, don't think of yourself as a big deal, specifically when it comes to your faith, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to every single one of you. So what did God do? God distributed faith. What did, what did God do? God gave you a gift. See, a lot of us, we, we, have, we have a thought process that we think our faith is a gift to God. Oh God, check out my faith, look at it, here you go, I'm giving you my faith. No, 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 where did you get your faith? God gave it to you. Faith is actually a gift for you, and the greatest thing you could do with the gift that he gave you 
is use it in a way that honors him back. So that doesn't mean you go and you put it in a drawer and you never use it. What it means is that if it's a, if it's a t-shirt, you put that t-shirt on and you strut around. You're like, what's up, what's up? Check me out. If it's a McLaren sitting out front, then you, you drive it and you feel good about yourself. Paul says it this way to the church in Ephesus. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So basically, faith is from God. So even our desire to believe and trust, where did it come from? It actually came from God. So to please God, what that means is we actually need God, to trust in God, we actually need God because God is trying to give us a gift and it's the gift of faith. It's, the reality is, is just will we open it? Will we partake of it? So, so the question becomes, well, well, how do I get this gift? Like, how do I access this gift? How do I receive this gift? How do I understand this gift? Well, Romans chapter 10 says it like this. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Other versions say faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So what that says is that every time you hear about God, here's what it's doing. It is building faith in your life. Like God is going, here's a deposit of a gift. Here's a gift. Here's a gift. It's like, a, it's like an unending gift card to Saks Fifth Avenue that you can just go spend on. Like every time you hear about me, he makes another deposit on it. And he says, go get another gift. And the gift I want to give you is the gift of faith. And so the question becomes like, well, how do I hear? How do I hear to receive the gift that God has for me? I'll give you one really easy way. Read your Bible. I have so many people come up to me and go, man, Pastor DJ, I just want a word from God. And I'm like, there's 727,000 of them right here ready for them to speak to you. Will you open up and receive it? Like God is speaking. In fact, the Bible says the word is living and active. Like this isn't some dead book that's out of date that isn't relevant to your life. It's alive and it's active. Like he wants to work in your life. He wants to build some faith through his word in your life if you'll get into it. How else do you build your faith? By going to church. Why? Because you're hearing the word of God. And when you hear God's word, what is it doing? It's building your faith. How else do you get? By going to a connect group. Oh, they just, want, they just want to busy my schedule. They just want me doing more. I don't, none of y'all need more things to do. What you need is some people that'll be around you that will speak the truth of God and the truth of God in your life will build your faith and you'll begin to take some steps of faith. And I've just learned that the more you hear God, the more faith is deposited in your life from God. And so it begs the question, like, what are you listening to in life? What is filling your mind that is actually, because here, here's how I look at it. If faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, you know what doubt comes from? Hearing. You know what fear comes from? Hearing. So what are you listening to? If all you're doing is consuming yourself with the news every night, last time I checked, they don't give a lot of positivity on the news. It's like, let me find every negative thing and overwhelm you with it. 
And then you feel overwhelmed and you're like, why, why, am I not, why am I not encouraged right now? Because it's discouraging. It blows my mind. I'll, I'll be here at church, we'll preach a message like this and then I'll walk out of the parking lot. Somebody will be rolling out with their windows down listening to baby God back. You just listen to Jesus and then baby got back and you're wondering why your mind's in the garbage all the time. Because Sir Mix-a-Lot is building something in your life. Some of y'all spend all of your day scrolling, 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 scrolling. And you're wondering why your life is filled with, why can't I stay focused? Fix after fix after fix. And God's going, man, I've got something for you. And this is this incredible thing called faith, and I've got a gift. And the more you hear me, the more of this gift I give to you every single day of your life. Number two, so faith is a gift. Number two, faith is a key. Everybody say key. Faith is a key. And so I got, I got a little key here. And... Uh, and, and this, is, this is, goes back to the whole, the whole access thing. It goes back to the whole password thing. You've got to have the right key to get access to everything that you need in life. And God actually says, hey, there is a key that accesses everything in your life. Romans chapter 3, verse 22, it says, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Like we're all broken, we're all fallen, we're all in need of a savior and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. How do we access everything that God wants to have in our life? We access it through the key and the key to life is Faith, and what is this, what is this unlock in our life? It, it unlocks some really interesting things. The first thing it unlocks is this idea called justification. And justification is a really big biblical word that literally means just as if I had never sinned. Here's what God does. God goes, looks at your life and he goes, hey, you know what? I, I know that you've screwed up. I know that you've messed up. I know that there's some stuff going on in your life. I know all of that is taking place. And here's what he does. He says, here's what happens to all of us. All of us experience this thing called sin. Can you all see that? We all have sin. And our sin hinders us. Our sin weighs us down. If you were here last week, our sin is weighty. And, and, and God looks at us, and without Jesus, in our, without our belief, without our trust, without our faith in Jesus, he looks down at us, and what he sees is our sin. But the moment that we put our trust and our faith in Jesus, it says he wipes it away as far as the east is from the west. All of a sudden when Jesus, when God looks at us, he looks at us and he sees nothing. He is just as if you and I had never sinned. And what he says is that when we believe through faith, what we have is we have justification. We are justified freely and, and forgiveness of our sins. Verse 25, it says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. We talked about that last week. Through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one justifies those who have faith 
in Jesus. It's a total fresh start. It's your credit has been wiped. You're now 850 on the credit scale. You are good to go moving forward because you are perfect in God's sight. Well, Pastor TJ, that just sounds too good to be true. That's why it's called the good news of the gospel. So how do we access justification? Galatians chapter two, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. Like you can't work for it, you can't earn it, you can't do enough to receive it, but by faith in Jesus Christ. There's only one way that you can be justified in life where God can wipe the slate clean and that is by belief and faith in Jesus Christ. It unlocks justification, your salvation, but it doesn't just stop there, there's more. It also does this, it, it work, it, there's another biblical word called righteousness. Righteousness, now we just talked about justification, it's about cleaning us up from our sin, it's about moving our sin as far as the east is from the west. Then there is righteousness, where, which basically means that now we have right standing with God. Before we were actually pushed out of God's presence because of our sin in our life, but all of a sudden because we are righteous before God because of our faith in Jesus, now I can stand before God firm and secure in that relationship. When I'm at odds with somebody, there's some tension in the relationship. But as soon as I'm made right, there's harmony in that relationship. As soon as we believe in faith, there is harmony in that relationship because we have right standing with God. Like, you don't have to clean up your life and then come to God. God says, bring me your life and I'll put you in right standing with me. Like there's nothing you can do to make yourself right besides the redemption of sins through my son, Jesus. Romans chapter four, verse two. It gives us the example of Abraham, the father of our faith. He says, if in fact Abraham was justified by works, like if he could do enough, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So he believed and he got the credit. Then verse 23, now the words, it was credited to him, were written for him not alone. So if they weren't written for him alone, then who were they written for, TJ? They were written for Coastal. They were written for you, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus Christ our Lord from the dead. And listen, we're gonna take a couple, in a couple weeks, we're gonna talk about righteousness, but, but you are, let me just say it this way, you are no longer your sin, you are no longer your past, you are no longer your screw-ups, you are no longer your mess-ups, you are made righteous through Jesus Christ. God sees you as right, and that's huge. It's not about your behavior, but it's about your belief. Who will you believe today? Our righteousness has nothing to do with what I do, but it has everything to do with Jesus already he did. Come on, somebody. We can give God some better praise than that. You have right standing. You have justification, but there's more. Faith gives us access to grace. Now, what's interesting is I think we have a confused version of what grace is. We think, we think when we think of grace, we think, oh, I messed up. Will you give me some grace? 
oh, I screwed up, can you give me some grace? No, 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 no. What grace is, is it's the empowerment to live for God. When God gives us grace, he's giving us an empowerment to actually live for him in everything you need. Because here's what I know about our lives. Our lives are hard and you need power to survive this life. And the power that you need is God's grace to get through the good times, the bad times, the middle times, the temptations, the successes, everything God wants to do in your life. Here's what he does. He gives you a grace to be able to move forward in that thing in your life. Romans chapter five, verse one, it says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith, put into grace in which we now stand. What happens is you put your faith in Jesus, all of a sudden you become justified, just as if you had never sinned. You go and you put your faith in Jesus and all of a sudden, now you have righteousness. You're, you're in right standing with God. Then you're going through difficult times in life as you're trying to pursue the call of God on your life. And, and God goes, here's, here's what you have. Now you have grace. You have the empowerment to live the life that you are going to live. And the same grace that saved you is the same grace that will sustain you in that life. Grace is not a pass to sin. Grace is actually the power to overcome the sin of this life. And we need more of God's grace working and empowering us, and it comes through faith. And so what does that mean for us? It means that sometimes I'm going through life, and life gets difficult. You know what I'm doing? I'm asking God, God, give me more grace. Give me more of your power. Give me more of your keys of faith so I can access your grace which will empower me to do everything that you need me to do. Then the last one, here it is, is faith is a muscle. Faith is a muscle. Faith is a muscle. I'm gonna do some curls up here for Father's Day. I wore a jacket today so all the dads wouldn't get jealous of my biceps. I also wore a jacket so the woman wouldn't stumble, you know, but that's a, <laughs> I don't want anybody. Here's what I know about working out. Whether you, specifically those of you that haven't worked out, is that, <laughs> <laughs> those of you that have worked out, you'll know what I'm talking about too, but like, if you haven't worked out in a week and you go back to the gym and you start working those muscles, what happens? They begin to hurt, don't they? If you haven't been to the gym in six months and you go back, you start working out, it hurts a little bit more, doesn't it? For some of you that haven't been to the gym in six decades, <laughs> we know who you are. You get back in there and you start exercising that muscle. There's a little bit of pain involved in it, isn't there? It's a little bit of tension. There, there, there is a tearing that is taking place. 
And you think to yourself, well, why, 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 is, why is this hurting? Why is there a breaking that is going on? I'm trying to strengthen this thing. I'm trying to work this thing out. And listen, we need to be working out our faith muscle. We need to be curling our faith muscle. We need to be exerting our faith muscle. But here's what I know is that when you're doing that, all of a sudden it becomes painful. It becomes tiring. It becomes overwhelming. You think, oh my gosh, what's going on? Why is this hurting so bad? Why, is that, why am I going through this in this moment? I'm, I'm exerting my faith right now, but the trial you're going through isn't to break you, it's actually to build you. And what God is doing in that moment is he's breaking down some muscle so he can build up your faith. Because in order for a muscle to get bigger, it's gotta be exerted. It's gotta be worked. And I know it feels like pain right now, but I'm letting you know that as you exercise your faith, it's actually making progress in your life. That's what happens when you work this thing called faith. Let me show you it to you. Romans chapter four comes to Abraham. It says, against all hope, meaning he was in a hopeless situation. Some of you can relate out there today. You feel like you're in a hopeless situation. Abraham, in hope, believed. He, he had some faith. And so became the father of many nations. Now, if you understand this, you go, that, that's crazy because Abraham was 100 years old when he heard that he's going to become a father of many nations. I know it's Father's Day, but at 100 years old, stuff don't work the same way. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offsprings be. It says, without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. He, listen, he wasn't denying the facts. It says his body was as good as dead. And then he says, and his wife's wasn't much better. It's Father's Day. You can say stuff like that. It's the only day you can say it. Yet he did not waver. He kept exercising through unbelief regarding the promise of God and was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. That is the life of following Jesus. That's the life of living by faith. It's not just seeing the facts and going, that's my reality, it's going, no, no, no. I know what the facts may say, but I have some faith. I, I, I'm working something out right now. And I'm believing that on the other side of the breaking, I'm believing on the other side of the pain, that there is gonna be something so much better. And here's what I've learned in my life. My faith is either exercised or it's eliminated. You're either gonna exercise your faith, you're either gonna pump, pump, pump it up. Or you know what you're going to do is you're going to stop. And you're going to bulk up, but not with faith. You're going to bulk up with lots of other things. You're going to bulk up with fear. You're going to bulk up with anxiety. You're going to bulk up with a unclear and chaotic mind because all of us are living by faith it's just what are we putting our faith in 
You might not even recognize it. You might be putting your faith in a bottle. You might be putting your faith in a donut. You might be putting your faith in a relationship. You might be putting your faith in a pill. You might be putting your faith in money. But I want to challenge you to put your faith in God. And let me just tell you, trusting God doesn't eliminate your problems. It doesn't. And trusting God just doesn't, it isn't going to like magic, whoop, everything's gone. What it does is trusting God is a choice to believe that God will use my problems for a greater purpose in my life. And church, I believe it's time for us to have faith like Abraham. And though, though it looks like things are dead, I'm going to move forward in faith. And I'm going to trust that he who began a good work in me, he will complete it until the end. Like, I'm going to trust and believe that if, if he's beginning to do something, he's going to finish it. If he brought me to it, he's going to bring me through it because he's a God of yesterday, today, and forever. Like, that's who he is. If he was faithful then, he'll be faithful now. It is time for some of us to begin to exercise our faith and to live out our faith and to exert our faith instead of eliminating our faith. And I don't know what trial or what problem you're going through today, but I believe that God brought you here today to exercise your faith. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're out there today and you're struggling and you're dealing with some stuff and I mean, you're, you're overwhelmed, you're, you can't sleep at night, you're struggling and your faith is weak right now and you say, you know what, Pastor D, I, I, I just, I, I need more faith here today. God, I, I, I'm gonna, I wanna make a declaration that today is the day that I need more faith. If you just slip your hand up right now, I wanna pray for you. Wherever you are, go ahead and slip your hand up. There's no shame. Go ahead, hands going up all over the place up all over the place. God, I just pray right now for every man, for every woman, for every child that has their hand up that is saying, you know what? I need faith in this season of my life. I'm going through it. I don't want to just go through it and end up worse on the other side, but God, I'm believing that you are doing something bigger, you're doing something better, that you're building something in my life right now, and I could pray right now that the Holy Spirit would come down and fill you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, that the faith would begin to rise up within people today, that they would not stand for what they've been standing for currently, but they would stand up for what you say. God, that they would realize that everything in your kingdom is accessed through faith, that God, you have given them the gift, you've given them the key, and now they they are to work their muscle. And God, I pray that you would, you would empower them and you would strengthen them and that you would push them forward into everything that you have for their life in Jesus' name. And God, I also know that there's some people that are in here that they have not yet ever made a decision to put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. And maybe today is the day that you say, you know what, TJ, you're talking about faith, but I don't have any, I, I know you're talking about being justified, just as if I never sinned. And, and you're talking about these things, but I've never experienced that, they, that God would see me in right standing because I know where I stand today. I want you to know that you could experience a relationship with God today where he could free you from the east as far as the 
far as the west of your sins, where you can have right standing with God and where you can walk with your creator and know him. And maybe you're here today and you've never made the decision. It begins with a simple yet significant prayer of surrender of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary for you today. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just slip your hand up, out of count of three, I'd love to pray for you. One, two, three. Yes, I see your hand right there. Yes, I see your hand right there. Who else? Who else? Back over there. I see you. I see you. Who else? Right there in the center. I see you. Who else? Don't be ashamed. I see you back there. Thank you. Anybody else? If you'll pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for seeing me right in the middle of my mess and not leaving me there, but giving the greatest gift you could possibly give, the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. God, I ask you to forgive me of my past, change my present, and secure my future. I surrender my will. I surrender my way. God, I love you. Take over my life. Fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience, your kindness and your goodness and your mercy. Help me to have the faith to trust you all the days of my life and exercise that faith on a daily basis. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody 